Greetings, outcast, free thinkers, narrative questioners, dot connectors, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever realm we exist in at the moment. You are about to embark on another free first hour episode of The Notes. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For as little as three lousy Babylon hokey pokey tokens per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast or click the link in the episode notes to set the process in motion. It's simple, painless, and very well might make you feel tingly inside. So without further ado, please enjoy the show! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. First, I would like to apologize for our absence the last couple of weeks. It's been a little rough because of things going on in our lives that have left us physically and emotionally exhausted. Hunter has had an immense amount of schoolwork to do. I have been working 40 to 50 hours a week and trying to complete a permanent chicken run for our brood. And we recently had to say goodbye to our two pugs who were old and in such bad health that it seemed cruel and selfish to keep them alive. But slowly the exhaustion and melancholy are lessening and I'm trying to get back up to speed as far as the melt is concerned. Today's guest has been on before and is someone that we also do a Patreon-only limited series podcast with called Dark Matter. Only this time, Emily Moyer joins us to talk about the importance of keeping our 3D world interface avatar running as clean and lucid as is possible in order to be able to navigate this realm in the most efficient manner. A few of our patrons and listeners have spoken of being on quote-unquote Emily's diet, and if you too are interested in taking an active role in your well-being and care to give Emily's method a try, stay tuned as later in the conversation Emily mentions a special offer that she's putting out there for Melt listeners in regards to group classes and one-on-one coaching. Of course, she comes highly recommended by Hunter and I. Hunter starts off the conversation by asking Emily how she got into the nutrition world. Yeah, yeah, so, sure, I don't remember, I I don't know where you got the idea to talk to me about it either, unless I had mentioned in, like, 
offhand that that I did this because it's really for a while it was something I was doing as like a main part of my whatever it is that I do and then it kind of moved to the side at a certain point and and while I still take clients it's not something that I like actively focus most of my attention on anymore um but somehow you figured out that I was doing it and so I was uh, honored to be to be asked to assist you and then after that Chris uh, on your journeys um I just want to just be really clear for everybody as we get started I am a certified nutrition consultant I am not a nutritionist I am not a doctor I am not a licensed medical professional everything I say is for entertainment purposes and <laughs> Basically, um, I you can consider it to a certain degree like education, but the same way I go about all of the material I share with people, I'm doing it my way, right? That's right. kind of but I'm it's not, it's I'm rooted. Not, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm not adhering to any orthodoxy. I have broken most of the rules that even my most cherished mentors have given to me to follow, which is pretty much the way that I lead my life. Like I. I, I consume a lot of information. I experiment on myself first, mm -hmm. and then I, you know, offer that information to other people. And if they are interested, then I tinker and adjust and try to make something that I have learned from my journey have some way of applying to an experience they can have in theirs. And it's a learning process for both of us that way, because not not everything that works for me works for someone else. Fortunately, right. like I like a mystery and I like solving it. Um, and so I'm willing to tinker and try and sometimes even go against some idea that I'm pretty set on to try and navigate, you know, someone else's metabolism or path or set of challenges or whatnot. And I've been doing this now for mm, like kind of unofficially eight years, but sort of officially five years. Mm -hmm. Um, the way I got into it was just I talked about my experience um, with my mentor and with changing my diet and lifestyle. And people started asking, well, I talked about that some. And then in the summer of 2017, I had like massive downloads when my mentor passed away. And I don't know if the downloads were coming from her or if just in that open state you're in when you're kind of vulnerable, when you're grieving like my usual pain in the ass self was not doing whatever I normally do and something new could come in. And I downloaded all this information that I turned into a series that is very raw and very rough, but I've never gone back and redone it because I don't think I could actually do it better. It just captured the sort of moment um, on the idea of sugar as programmable matter. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, people were asking me for sessions mm -hmm. And I was like, I sessions for what? <laughs> right? Like, I'm not, I'm not, this is not something I do for my business. And people were like, well, maybe you should. So I went about trying to get a certification just so I could feel like I had some, I, I don't know why I felt like I had to do that. Um, and I, I went to a holistic nutrition school and I felt like uh, what was being taught to me was, I already knew this was wrong. Like from the experiences I've had with, with my mentor and then with my own body, I knew that I'd already tried all the things that they were recommending as being part of a healthy diet and lifestyle and that they didn't work for me. Um, and some of them felt like so backwards and wrong that I actually 
ended up dropping out of the program and they were perplexed because I had like the highest score in the class, but I dropped out. And then I found actually the same program that my mentor had taken many, many years ago, which is a self-paced home study course that is done by the AANC. And they believe that um, it's a wide variety of people that are qualified to help somebody with their diet and not everybody needs to have the same level of official education. So once you display a certain level of mastery through uh, certain certain kinds of tests, then you're, you're certified through that, right? So I did that. Um, and then from there, it's just been um, experimentation, evolution um, of, of my own diet, as well as the various kinds of people and, and streams that I receive information from in terms of like what's going on in our environment and therefore inside of our bodies. And I've gotten to a place where I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty set on what I think works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the difference between um, what I'm working with now and all the other things I've done in the past, which also worked, like I was always able to help people as I built towards what I'm doing now, but with every other sort of, eating program that I've ever subscribed to myself or taught to other people, it kind of like, it worked really well in the initial stages Mm -hmm. and it was difficult to sustain long-term. And then when you tried to return to it again, after a period of taking a break or messy eating or try some, trying something else or whatever, you could never really capture that same effect that you had the first time where I've evolved to and what I'm working with now seems to it works a little bit differently every time so you can I tend to revert to a very strict version of this eating program once or twice a year and then I kind of build out modify maintain and eventually usually when I go on a vacation or something like that, end up getting messy and going back to square one. And every time I do, the direction I take it is slightly different, but it always starts from the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to just address something you'd said is that you'd said you had a lot of success on the keto diet. And actually like on some level, the most success I ever had with my body in terms of getting it to the place that I think is ideal mm-hmm. was also on the keto diet, right? Like I achieved at the age of 40, I guess, 43, 43, maybe 43, um, the same body I had as a 16 year old gymnast and was able to maintain it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then injured my back and, uh, it, it then it became a disaster without like the highest level of intensity of workout and being able to maintain that really quickly, like that, that went away and I could never get quite back to that place. And it became increasingly frustrating. It was more, it was like, you try to do it more, you try to do it harder, you yep. try a stricter, and you never are able to get back to that place that you're like, wow, this shit's amazing. Um, I also have had very, very powerful results on the carnivore diet Um, in terms of with the carnivore diet. I never felt better than I felt like I'd say I felt felt better mentally in terms of clarity, in terms of motivation, like sleeping well, even though I never felt tired, I could still sleep. But that wasn't sustainable either. If you're a person who at all enjoys eating 
eating. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and so occasionally I will still tinker with carnivore diet here and there. And a lot of what I do now is sort of centered around and, and heavily borrows from things I learned on the carnivore diet. Um, but those are two very powerful diets that I also recommend everybody experiment with at some point in their life, just to see how many different ways your body can be. But in terms of having a tool you can always keep in your back pocket that you know, like, hey, I've gotten a little off course. I need to get back on course. And I need to know that like something significant will happen in a reasonable period of time. And that like maintenance and maintenance is relatively easy. And when I stray, coming home isn't like a super difficult challenge, right? So with those things in mind, like that, that's kind of where I'm at. I have learned a tremendous amount from, from a couple of mentors and um, they are experts. I would not consider myself to be an expert. They know the ins and outs of all sorts of things and why things are happening and, and whatnot. And I kind of come at this the same way I come at everything else I do, like right. highly intuitive with it, willing to experiment and also recognizing the kind of person I am and something that may surprise people when they see how fit I am, how energetic I am, that I too have struggled with food and not just that I like to be high performing and maybe I'm a little bit obsessive or OCD, though that's certainly true. But I tend towards indulgence the same way you guys see me tell like ridiculous out there stories and expect, expect people to be okay with that. Like I have ridiculous and out there desires when it comes to things I want to taste, things I want to eat, things I want to drink, things mm-hmm. that I want to do with my body and whatnot. And, you know, so like I've had to come up with sort of a way of being in the world regarding my exercise, regarding my food. And for me also, like regarding how I indulge in alcohol, which I enjoy because I'm a cocktail mixologist. And while I'm never a person into like getting drunk or anything like that, I I like cocktails, Mm -hmm. right? So how can I come up with a way of getting to fulfill my need for discipline and accomplishment and also to allow myself to indulge in the things that I enjoy without stepping into an area that is dangerous for me, because I also know that area as a former drug abuser and, and having been addicted right. to meth. So this picture is complicated for me and I've learned to help other people try to uncomplicate their picture. <laughs> well, what what's fascinating about it is that Freud says in his, in his psychoanalysis that food issues are related to the mother. So um, a denial surprise, of, surprise. of eating, um, like anorexia, these types of food issues are related to a denial of nurturing and de- denial of mother. And so then the opposite can um, be true for um, overindulgent. It's again, it's mommy issues. What I find so interesting about what you're doing is that you're not just dealing with the nutritional aspects of food. There is this really amazing um, intuitive component that you're talking about and also a mental health component. So I think that the eating, the food itself is probably a lot 
smaller of an issue than understanding the psychology behind food and eating and and the nurturing nature of that and someone's relationship with food. And what I've really enjoyed about working with you is that you see me as a whole person and it's not just, okay, what are you eating? It's how do you feel when you eat this? What are, what's the relationship surrounding food do you feel like that's a natural like an instinctual thing that you are able to apply because of your relationship with food and indulgence or is that something that you've just picked up from being able to work with people so a couple of things I think so what you said about Freud was interesting I don't know that I've heard exactly that before and that makes a lot of sense you know like my mother left when I was really young and like when I say this, I don't mean it in a um, in an accusatory. My mom was somewhat neglectful, but not intentionally. Like she always showed up. She paid her child support. We went to her on the weekends. She took us on nice vacations. We had all the guests and esprit clothes that we could want and all the fancy lunches. But emotionally, she was not capable of providing the kind of nurturing that mothers generally provide their children. That came from my father, which is just a different dynamic. So, but- one of the like one of the things that's kind of unusual considering all of that is I actually breastfed till I was two, right? And so then having her also then ripped away and not available for nurturing, you know, as a young kid and and, and as I got older, probably did set up some of the issues around food. I was also a competitive gymnast, certainly have plenty of experience with the eating disorders and all of that kind of stuff. I've been everywhere. I've done the anorexic thing. I've done the bulimic thing, the overeating, the undereating, overexercise, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, but, you know, I think, well, again, interesting what you said about the mother, like there was a lot of fancy lunches and indulgence and stuff like that with my mom. And then she wouldn't be there. Right. And so it, it I can see what you're saying there in terms of like, the the emotions about it. I think there's a couple of things. Like I think I recognize that like at this point, any food addictions that I have, like I was originally much a sugar addict, right? And then I, I'm pretty much not anymore. I can see myself every once in a while. Like if I get too sloppy, then I can start to feel the sugar monster being like, I can come back if you want. But <laughs> I've pretty much slayed that beast mostly. But when I do emotional eating, because we all do, or when I'm feeling the drive for that, it does tend to be more of like a soothing or textural issue. It's kind of about feel, which is what you're talking about with like the mother and the nurturing. So like I recognize that there's a certain kind of like, like, like the idea like of certain foods, like particularly carbohydrate type foods, like specific pizza crust or bread or baked goods is not, oh, it's like sweet and it tastes good. Although that's certainly true. It's like the mouthfeel, like when you kind of sink into it, that is probably not different than like pressing your head against your mother's chest or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So I think that I recognize the relationship between like our feeling selves and our eating selves um, on a level that, 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 that translates over into making sure, like I understand that, I address how people feel when they either are eating something or when they're not eating something in terms of like, not just how they're feeling in their body, but how they're feeling in their life. But also I picked up pretty easily and I didn't understand this 
quite in the beginning, but when I first started working with my mentor, right, she was very intuitive also. Um, and, and she was very, very psychic, just naturally. Um, and she would talk about things like being able to smell what was out of balance in her client's body, like as they approached her office and stuff like that, uh-huh. right? And that sounded like, wow, that sounded kind of crazy to me. But after I got off of drugs and the more sort of centered I got in my own body, particularly during that period of time, uh, while I was grieving when she passed, when I got in really good shape on the keto diet and all this stuff, and I felt like an athlete again, I started to notice little feelings in my body when I would look at someone that was out of balance or unhealthy or or whatnot. And I did start to be able to smell certain things on people or just feel in my body. It's weird. Like I can sit next to someone sometimes and like feel what food is causing their problem. I don't know them if they're not a client. Like if they're sitting next to me in the movie theater or something and there's like something bothering me, like it'll occur to me like what thing they're eating that they think is good for them, <laughs> but it really isn't. So I, I, I accepted from knowing her that that was a valid way to obtain information. And I didn't go about trying to learn to do that. But when my body started to speak to me in a similar way, I didn't invalidate it. I just decided to like try it out for size and be like, this is going to sound crazy, but this is what I'm thinking. And then have them try that. And and I also had had, like, I'm sometimes able to like, like if someone's just eating something, you can smell it on them. That's not what I'm talking about. But like I could precognitively smell on somebody's breath, the food they really wanted to eat, but wasn't good for them or that they shouldn't. Like weird things like that. Uh-huh. Like I just started to accept that as a valid form of, of of feedback and of information and whatnot. And nine times out of 10, it's right. And the unfortunate thing is also it usually makes me the bearer of bad news to somebody <laughs> because I'm usually letting them know that like, there's some food that they really like, and it's often one that they thought was good. It's really hard to break someone's heart with something they thought that, that was good for them. Like when they know it's not, they're kind of expecting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I pay attention to all of my senses for information about what is going on with the other person. And this works whether I'm in physical connection with them or even sometimes through the the computer as most of my clients are are remote clients because they come from the pool of of listeners of the rest of my content. Um, Yeah. So I I think I just am open to, it's the same thing with everything else. If I had some fucking harebrained idea, I'm just going to say it and try it. And like nine times out of 10, it's as good as finding something out any other way. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, how did you going into your mentor a little bit? How did you come across her? Was it were you looking for a mentor? Did she kind of come along at the same time that you were starting to get interested in nutrition? And also, you alluded to it one time, and I understand if you don't want to go into it, but something about her passing, and there was some mm-hmm. mysterious element to that. Whoops. <laughs> Speaking of which, so, okay. So it's funny because I'll go through phases where like none of this stuff comes up for like a couple of years and then phases where it's coming up a lot. So I'm happy to, to talk about it. So my mentor's name was Ann Baroque and you can, anybody can Google her and take everything you see with a grain of salt, no matter which way you're perceiving it. But the last name Baroque is B-O-R-O-C-H. And I was in a particularly challenging time in my life. Like I had 
fled my apartment in downtown Los Angeles, like, I think really just barely missing out on ending up being Elisa Lamb instead of her, right? Because <laughs> basically, like, I feel like I escaped that perimeter with my life. Um, and I, I was home in Los Angeles, at home at my dad's house, um, and ha having a really very rough time, like basically having bottomed out on drugs and then all kinds of other stuff. Um, and at this point, beginning to have health problems for the first time in my life, which is not something that I had ever experienced. And it was just from years and years of not taking good care of myself and using drugs and not having good sleep hygiene. And while I was always a reasonably healthy eater in like generally like when coming down from drugs or in the few days after having been on a drug binge, you're eating kind of crap. And then you have maybe weeks when you don't eat anything at all. And whatnot. So I just couldn't get out of like, I was constantly having sinus infections and all kinds of digestive issues and like weird things going on with my body. And um, I was listening to, um, there's a gentleman who um, used to call himself Mel Fabergas, but now he calls himself Mel Hostelrick. And there's something very strange going on there, but he has a radio program called Veritas. And he used to have a show called Sanitas, which was like his health show. And um, as one of the guests that he had on one time, he had her on and I was just, you know, this was when I was still up 36 hours a day. So I had plenty of time to, to listen to anything and everything. So I was listening to her talk about um, having, having healed herself of multiple sclerosis, which I did not think that I had, mm -hmm. um, but having, uh, that that this that she felt like multiple sclerosis and many other autoimmune diseases um were sort of an end result of something that stem, stemmed from candida overgrowth mm. and when she started to explain like how that played out for her as a young person how it was related to uh multiple sclerosis how she eventually healed the multiple sclerosis and then how that relates to what she did with her clients, I recognized all, that I had all of the symptoms of of candida overgrowth, not not of multiple wow. sclerosis, but of candida. And she talked a little bit about the kinds of the, the you know the diet that she would do with people and what the experience was like to work with her. And then at the end of the show, she said that her office was in Studio City, and I was living in the Valley at that time. And I was like, oh, like there was something about this person that instinctively I felt like I liked and intuitively I felt like I, I knew her like I could imagine already like what she kind of looked like and what her office looked like even though I hadn't seen her or been there um and so I decided like it sounded pretty hardcore and I didn't feel like I was there yet but I decided that like when I felt like I was ready I would I would call her and about a month later, I decided I was ready. And so I called thinking we can get started. And she had like a huge waiting list. So I think I had to wait like a month or six weeks to get an appointment. Um, but I, I I did. And I went in. And when I walked into her office, like an energy flew through my body like I had never felt before. So I knew that like whatever this was going to be, this was going to be a different experience for me. And um, I the first session was like an hour and a half. Um, I worked with her as a client for only four sessions and regained my health during that period of time. Wow. Um, but uh, I will say that like in that hour and a half, if I hadn't liked her so much, like I liked her, 
I would have been disturbed at how psychic she was because she was seemed to have a level of knowledge and awareness of me where she knew things that I was intentionally keeping secret from everyone else in my life. Um, so I knew there was like not really a lot of secrets and hiding that I was going to be able to go on with this. And so I had tremendous success with her diet. And over the course of working with her as a client, we became friendly. And for a period of time, I worked for her for a little bit. And then I, we were just friends. And then, you know, during the period of time I was working with her, I had really largely stopped doing drugs, but I started doing drugs again to her and I lied to her about it and mm. she caught me and I wasn't wanting to fess up about it. And so she was like, goodbye. And that was the first time anybody had held me responsible for my behavior in a way that um, inspired significant change. Mm. Um, I wasn't quite ready to make those changes yet, but over the course of the next like six months or a year, um, I the level of guilt that I felt for having lied to her grew and grew and grew. And I became unable to enjoy doing drugs or getting high in any way anymore. Wow. Like I, I had already stopped really enjoying it. It was really more like, I don't know what I was doing because it was not, I was not a person on drugs like every day. I wasn't your typical addict. There was some, some, something that was not, right for me that I was trying to dig out or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And the drug served some purpose in that, but it became um, unbearable, the amount of guilt. And so eventually I, I, I got clean. I think about, uh, about a year after I lied to her, I got clean, but it, it wow. was really that pain of losing that friendship um, that, that, started me thinking about things and started me just kind of down a different path. And so what I learned from her about food was amazing. It was really helpful. It helped me regain my health. And I've been a vibrant, healthy person since then. Like, even though I continued to use drugs for a year, the, the changes I made to the rest of my lifestyle, um, I was pretty healthy. And I actually think that getting off of sugar made getting off of drugs easier because by the time I finally decided to quit, I did not have a hard time with it. Mm. Um, and I think that having learned to break some of the food addictions, two things happened. I felt like I knew I could do it, but also it was weird. It was like, <clears throat> once I lost the malaise of the sugar and all that kind of stuff, I could not hide from myself. I could not continue to lie to myself about what was really going on with the drug use because a lot of other people in my life did not know. So I was kind of living that double life. And mm -hmm. once sort of some of the, the bail had come down, it just became harder and harder to live with myself. And so mm -hmm. um, I began in this in 2015 to, to, to really change my life. And she was a big part of that. Um, but I had lost that friendship and she had moved on away. She'd moved on and, and, and whatnot. And um then in the beginning of 2017, I had been talking about her on a show and people were asking lots of questions. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to her and ask if she'll come on the show. I'll just see what she says. Um, and so I reached out and um, she called me back. I didn't even know if she would respond, you know, because it had been rough. Um, but she responded right away and she's like, of course, I'll come on your show. She's like, but I'm actually back in Los Angeles. And can you come over like now or like tomorrow? Um, and so I, I went 
And um, the person that I found was a shell of herself. She had been through a very rough time. Um, And um, I think I I was able to really have apologized to her and explain what had been going on with me leading up to when I met her during the period of time that I knew her and things that had transpired since then and, and was able to explain in a more coherent way some of the things that I've shared with all of you that have gone on in my life regarding my background right. that sound a lot different from a sober, reflective person than mm-hmm. someone who's still in the chaos of all of that that I had been when I initially knew her. Yeah. And she was able to kind of hear it in a different way. But also what I heard from her didn't sound very different than what I was telling her, mm. right? Like that she, some of the experiences she had been having over the course of the last few months before when it was that I was talking to her um, made, made me, made it clear. Like, it's not that I had never sort of suspected some of this before, but there were some hidden strings in her life and things that were going on that I think were beyond um, what she really wanted to acknowledge or, or, or sort of deal with on Mm. some level. And and I don't blame her for that. Um, So from that point, we were in con- communication again, but later that summer, she, she did, she did pass away. And like, I don't, I don't like to really talk about this um, because her mother is still around and mm-hmm. I maintain a relationship with her mother who sure. I have tremendous love and respect for. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe have a different set of ideas about some of what may be going on than either any of the stories that you will read about her. If you look this up, or what her mother thinks, gotcha. but the official story is that she committed suicide, mm-hmm. right? That that she, you know, that publicly, you know, publicly, it just says that she died of natural causes, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what happened. Sure. Um, I don't know if I should have said that on here. Um, so we can. I'm pro- we can yeah. reapproach it af- on the other side of the paywall if you want to do that. Yeah. Okay. So, right. So, you know, she, the, and that's kind of the story, mm-hmm. right? It's sad. Awesome. It's tragic. I don't rule out that what they say happened is really what happened. I'm not as 100% convinced of nefarious play as some people are, mm-hmm. uh, but there's definitely some oddities and, uh, it feels to me like um, if and when the time is right to to dig into that in a more substantial way than I have, then I will do that. Um, but for right now, it just feels like the right thing to do for now is to let it be. And it's been several years. She passed in 2017. Um, you know, and it was during that period of time when there were um, a lot of uh, natural doctors passing away. I don't know if you remember the whole thing where like, you know, they were saying that so-and-so committed suicide, Mm -hmm. but they were found like with a rock on their back at the bottom of a lake, having shot two times in the back of their head, like it didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. It was during that same period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, do you guys remember what the connective thread was between all those doctors? I don't. So the main connective thread is that these were people who were uh, suggesting or recommending or working with 
something called GCMAF, um, which is a supplement that was challenging to get in the United States that um, somehow acts on an enzyme that exists in the body that, that, that they're saying like was introduced through vaccines or un- other unnatural means called the Nogalase enzyme. And it, um, it, it's, I've, I've, we've had, I've had several other shows where in various ways I've talked about the Nogalase enzyme um, and its correlation possibly to like the Naga in the, in, in, in different religious or spiritual texts mm-hmm. and, and um, it's very weird, but like this is a lot of people feel this is correlated to autism and and uh, autoimmune diseases and all similar things that like her field of work was. Now, I never heard her speak of GCMAF or anything like that. Um, she really dealt with diet and diet only, mm. um, but she would have been... Um, she was a very appealing personality and she like if we were about to move into a period of time where the credentials of the mainstream health system would be questioned and people would be looking for new authorities as mm-hmm. far as health and they'd have been looking to the natural health field for that she was a very good candidate because she was very attractive and she had uh, an ability like, you know, I don't know if either of you guys did sports when you're little, but when you had like a coach you really liked and so you worked harder for them, like you yeah. wanted, like you loved the sport, but like I had gymnastics coaches, a few like this in my life. Like, I love gymnastics always, but it it was easier with this coach because I, I not only wanted to do gymnastics well, but I wanted them to be impressed with me I wanted them to feel proud of me and she had that like you wanted to work hard and you wanted to be disciplined and do all the things she asked for her and when you let her down the feeling was different than when you let someone else down so she would have been and she was very kind of no bullshit right like she definitely like had a high profile like very early on she'd been on the Montel Williams show and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff um, but she wasn't ever willing to say something she disagreed with or didn't believe just to have a new business venture or to get mm-hmm. a spot on this, that, or the other thing. So she probably would have been like a meaningful person in a movement towards personal responsibility about your health mm-hmm. and away from the traditional system. But um, there's a lot of other stuff going on too. So that's kind of what I can say about that right now. Sure. Um, but she was a pivotal person for me in my life. She, um, the best thing a friend can do for you is hold you responsible for your behavior. And at a period of time in my life where my closest friends and family could not or would not do that for me, and I couldn't do it for myself, she did that. And and it was painful, the loss of the friendship, but I might not have gotten clean otherwise. Sure. Yeah. It's important to have somebody hold you to your word. Yeah. So what do you think happened to her in that period when you parted ways and you said that she was a shell of a person when you reconnected? Was there some some similar issues that she was maybe experiencing that you had had previously? 
the, I'll just say, I think there was someone sent to disrupt her life. And I think that person did a very good job at it. And that person was not me. Wow. <laughs> right? I, that, that, but I recognize it. But this is what's weird is that, that because of the state that I was in when I met her, mm-hmm. that outside of my field of awareness, I could have been sent to disrupt her life. Wow. Right. And, and kind of thing. And so um, I, I think that, um, as we all do, she had some tendencies and some um, some holes in her life that hadn't been filled that mm. she was looking to fill. Um, and when you when that is true for you, then there's a soft spot and somebody can come in and play on that soft spot. And I think that happened. And whether that happened in the standard way that that happens in the world, which is there's not like a whole conspiracy behind it, but somebody just takes advantage of you. Mm-hmm. That's certainly possible. Mm. In this particular case, there could have been other motivations behind that, in my opinion. I don't know that to be true or not. And so she had, you know, had her heart trampled on Mm. um, by by someone um, and had a hard time moving past that because she had um, moved away from a lot of her stability and comfort zone, you know, during that period of time. And just it seemed like her reality had been pulled out from under her and she just couldn't find her, her footing again. Like she was a person who needed everything to be just so right. Like she, you know, it was very easy to upset her nervous system, her self-confidence, her like all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so she had a lot of things she did to keep everything in its place. Um, And then when she moved away from that in in maybe like a period of like excitement, um, you know, when, when, when the excitement wore over, there was nothing underneath her feet and she just kind of collapsed, you know, um, and uh, had a hard time picking herself back up and and, um, did, I mean, ended up moving back to Los Angeles and start to put things back together and finished her book. Like she had, self-published books for many years, but then she had a big book deal with HarperCollins and she didn't, she did finish that. And that book did come out and, you know, she was starting to put things back together when she passed. And, and um, there had been a period a few months before that seemed worse. And so it was a little surprising Hmm. when, when things happened. Um, But uh, um, you know, there, there's a lot of unanswered questions still in my, in my opinion. And also I'm very, very cautious not to let my perception of the world run wild in terms of figuring out what happened for another person because she's her own person with her own story. But I also like, I can't pretend not to see things that I see. So I have to be careful about like where I put all this in my mind. Um, But, you know, I, I, I have much love for her. She really helped me. um, And I, you know, um, I'm, I, I am the person that I am in a lot of ways because I know the damage that lying does. And, and mm. it was so easy for me to lie at that moment. And like, I will put myself now in tremendously uncomfortable situations rather than lie. Um, and so it, it was a big change in my behavior and my ability to hold myself responsible. What's so interesting about this, Emily, that is resonating so deeply with me is that in my journey with you, I have 
as you know, and now our listeners will know, I've gone off of the plantation a couple of times as you <laughs> coined this term so beautifully in terms of the diet. And I have felt the exact same thing. What I felt, and I don't know if that's just the energy that you resonate with, and so that's the the energy that you um, draw to you, but I felt like if, and I actually said to Chris, if this is going to work, I have to be completely honest. I cannot lie to her. I cannot tell her um, something that isn't true. So I have to be forthcoming as painful as it may be. And I said to him the other day, I said, he goes, you know, Emily's just a person. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I said, I just don't want her to break up with me. I just do not want her to break up. She thinks that you're going to fire her. Yeah, I was like, if I tell her the truth, then I'm afraid she's going to be like, well, you're fucking far gone and you're never going to get fixed and it's never going to be better. Like, you're on your own. And I'm so devoted to our relationship and how... I, I how much respect I have for you that I don't want to fuck it up. So when I go off the plantation, I know that I have I have to share that with you that I can't be like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell her and and live a lie. I just can't live a lie with you. <laughs> Plus, she's been there. She knows you obviously, especially by the stories that you're telling us that you know what that's like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's very like the the amount of distorted behavior that people get into around food i think maybe is like only matched by the distorted they get behavior they get into around their possessions if you're like a hoarder yeah right like the sure. of like the crazy logic and even people who seem to have like 100% normal healthy relationship with food like good weight exercise well and whatever because of the fact how food is used in our society as like it's we need it for sustenance to live but it's also part of like celebrations and it's also part of like rewarding people or punishing people or all that kind of stuff like it's it's probably the most complicated issue for everybody right and so like there's nothing I know that sometimes you feel like, wow, I'm having to admit this like incredibly what seems to you like extreme behavior or whatever. But I, you have, I've heard all kinds of stuff that people do. And I've done all kinds of weird stuff myself. And, and I'm still not perfect. Right. Like I can come up with like one hell of a rationale for like why I, it's OK that I do this, that or the other thing or whatnot. But it's really just like you know, it's for you, right? Like it really only actually matters if you're honest with yourself, right? And if I had like, you know, if you're being honest with yourself, you don't have to lie to somebody else, right? Like, I mean, I know people always bring up like, oh, well, like if your grandmother asks if her lipstick looks nice and it doesn't, should you, you know, come on people. Like these are like inconsequential things, right? But like, you know, if I felt good about myself, I wouldn't have lied to Anne. I either would have owned the fact that I had done drugs or I'd have lied to her and not cared that I had lied and everything yeah. would have gone on in life, you know? So, you know, pretty much if you're lying to someone else, you're only lying to yourself and you don't always have to tell everyone everything. But if you're having a hard time accepting your for yourself what you've done, sometimes telling another person 
can unburden you in a way that allows you to like step back up to the plate and also like temporarily ask someone else, Hey, can you help me be accountable? Like I'll be able to be accountable for myself again at some point in the future. But like right now I'm having a hard time. So when you sort of do that, it allows someone in for a little bit. And then at a certain point, you'll be able to have your mistake and not feel like you have to tell me or even Chris or whatever. You'll just be like, you know what? I know what I did. No one else really needs to know. Like I matter the most. And so I'm going to stop doing it for me. Well, and it's fear of loss of love and fear and fear of um, rejection. So that's where, um, jealousy comes from. That's where um, any kind of lying comes from. It's because we're afraid that something that we value is going to be taken away. Or fear of being yeah. judged. And so, well, and even in the judgment, I think that's where the fear of um, someone pulling back comes in. It's like, I don't want, I don't want you not to respect me. I feel such a tremendous amount of respect for you. I want you to respect me. And so the first time I went off the plantation and I told you and you were like, everybody knows, like, I'm not a slave owner. (laughs) (laughs) Not my slave. Right. I I just I just have found that, like, you know, like it's a good it's a good metaphor for certain aspects of, of the diet. Um, but yes, Hunter is not my slave. But, she, and she's not speaking so glowingly of me because she's afraid that I might whip her if she doesn't. Right? <laughs> when I told you, when I told you, when I we had our next consultation, I told you, you were like, "Wow, when you go off, you go way off. Like you, <laughs> you don't fuck around. Like you're really, you're." Well, I can you, respect that. Like I can respect that. Right. Like, I, I don't like what's the point of like breaking your sobriety with one line? Like, if you're going to fucking do it, like, have a goddamn party. Right. Yeah. So, exactly. um, you know, so I, like, I, I get that. You know what I mean? And it's also like it's a very it's a um, it's pretty common amongst perfectionists. Right. Like I was a gymnast, which I don't think I can't think of anything that attracts more obsessive OCD perfectionist type of people. And amongst that group is that most like, I remember having a conversation like on the floor at the gym one day when I was coaching at a gym in Tucson and it was the gym that the Carrie Strug was originally from before she had gone off to train with Bella Caroli but her parents live in Tucson. So when she would be in Tucson, she'd train there. And this was just after the year after the Olympics, you know, where she'd hurt her ankle, but done the vault anyway. And they won the gold medal. And I remember sitting with her on the floor, stretching and chatting. And, and what if she was just there working out a little bit? And I, I don't know what I was doing. We were chatting. And here's somebody who's like, was the hero of the summer before and all of this kind of stuff. And like, she's sitting there telling me about like all this angst that she had been going through all day to decide if she was going to drive through McDonald's and get the fries or wow. not get the fries. And if she ate the fries, what she was wow. going to have to do for making right kind of thing. Yep. Like it was like a crazy conversation about yeah. French fries, yes. yeah. um, you know, and it's like, you'd already won the gold medal. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. But so I've seen, um, you know, I've been around very distorted behavior uh, around food for most of my life. Um, and like I had a couple of I had this one coach 
who when she told me like what her binges consisted of, I was like, she was like buy out 7-Eleven, like, <laughs> like, you know, like completely clean the shelves at one 7-Eleven and then drive to another one Holy and shit. like empty the garbage from her car from wow. the previous 7-Eleven in the garbage wow. can of the next one she was going to. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Holy shit. So like, you know, but yeah, I could respect the going for it, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. So with with Anne's tutelage, what was her like what was her level of training? Like where did where has she received her information? So she was she was an old school naturopath. Like there used to be multiple pathways to that title. Mm-hmm. And now there's not. Like that's been part of the clampdown on natural health. Yeah. Is like the way that she was like inducted into that reality got taken away mid-career for her. Mm. So she actually uh, was, by the time she became really well-known, she was a CNC, which is what what I am. And she, I went to the same program she did. Mm -hmm. Um, So while she had learned quite a bit in the initial program that she became a naturopath through, a lot of her uh, information was self-study because she was trying to solve her own problem. And then also like she was a very intuitive person and she consulted with a lot of uh, medical intuitives and a good portion of her healing was passed down through metaphysical information, you know, sort of spiritual, you know, uh, psychic information. They would give her a clue and then she would go study and research and she would figure it out. And she put together a diet for herself based around some of these ideas that had been, gifted to her from other planes let's say wow and not not that different than the way the sugar came thing came for, to me mm-hmm. um but she would go research mm-hmm. and she would experiment with her own body and she kind of had figured out at a certain point what worked and uh she she when she was like uh, in her early 20s had a lot of problems with like Epstein-Barr virus and mononucleosis and was able to use this diet to to overcome that and she got better for a couple of years and so she just went right back to eating the way she had before because she thought she had healed herself and then at a certain point things flared up again and then she like had a sudden kind of onset of multiple sclerosis and it advanced pretty quickly so she returned to the diet that she had used to to heal herself before and it worked again but she understood now that this was something she pretty much had to continue now as like the years went on, she became slightly more flexible, but she was pretty committed to the way of eating that she taught to her clients. I would say that she was the most, she was the most adherent person I've ever met. Like I know lots of nutrition coaches, dietitians, nutritionists, all that kind of stuff. And there's some of them say one thing and do completely another thing. Most of them are cyclical with their relationship to it. Like they may have been gung ho the first like five or 10 years they were working in that area. And mm-hmm. then they're like, okay, I'm going to be here for a whole lifetime. I am going to experiment with other things. But I like, I think most of them, whatever they subscribe to, they keep somewhere between like a 70, 30 and a 90, 10 balance in terms of like being on it or being off it. She was pretty much always on it. Like a mm. splurge for her was a lot different than a splurge for me or a splurge for someone else and and, and whatnot. So she really believed in it on every level of her being. Um, And then also she had enough health ramifications that the consequences for her, if things reverse were higher than what they ever were for, for me or or for a lot of other people. Um, But her big thing was really 
Um, you know, there was a lot of ins and outs and specifics to the diet she taught. And if people are interested in her work, her book is called um, The Candida Cure, I think is what it's called. I'm pretty sure it's called. I, can't, I haven't looked at it in a long time. I'm pretty sure that that's the name of her book. Wait, the Candida, is that it? Let me just make sure that I'm not telling The Candida Cure. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's the kids. The, that's that's right. The Candida Cure, and it's by her name, Amber Oak. She also has a book called Healing Multiple Sclerosis. Um, but basically, the main principles of her diet are put down in both of those books. Um, and it sort of centers around the removal of gluten, dairy, and sugar from the diet. And then within that, some further sets of restrictions and rules. But it's a more widely there it's a wider variety of foods eaten on a day-to-day basis than what I work with now um and it is also much like it it's still leaning much more towards getting the vast amount of your diet from like vegetables and things like that as opposed to from fat and protein it's kind of more vegetables and then some grain some meat and protein and some fruit or whatever but the main things being avoiding gluten dairy and sugar and not eating fermented foods certain kinds of supplementation um and you know a sort of once you're once you're once you kind of healed all your health problems then maintaining that like on about a 90 10 basis mm-hmm. um and I had a lot of success with it. Um, I, I did have a lot of success with it. But even while I was working with her, I felt the desire to eat more meat and fat than mm. that diet was like, I would follow all the rules in terms of the foods you couldn't couldn't eat. But I tended to eat more meat than I was supposed to be allotted and more fat. Mm. I didn't eat the sugar or the dairy or the gluten or anything like that. But I always struggled with the percentages on that. I think maybe it's partly because I was much more athletic and active on some level Mm. than a lot of other people. I was not sick. A lot of people who come to her were, I mean, I was not well when I first came, but once I regained my health, I was not a person that struggled with autoimmune issues or anything like that. Um, And I had a very quick recovery and much faster than, than a lot of her other, you know, kind of clients. So, um, but I met people when I was working with her and then at her funeral who had gone to her in a wheelchair and now run marathons and are adherent to that diet and that way of life. And it works really well for, for a lot of people. Um, The other thing, and I think this is like, I don't really know what she would think about what I'm doing now with diet. I don't know if she would have evolved to something more like that or if she would have just disagreed with me, but you know, she wouldn't have been able to disagree that I was healthy. So she just would have been like, well, it works for you, but it wouldn't work for for other people. I think that something has significantly changed because a lot of the foods that I was eating when I was on her eating plan worked well for me then, but do not work well for me now. And I think that in that period of time, it's been about 10 years since I met her. I think we're living in a completely different kind of electrified environment. Like it was building towards this. But I think that just like we have started to do more things to protect ourselves from what's going on in the atmosphere and in the environment, so do all the other living things. And I think a lot of plant life has started to generate additional lectins, like 
additional sort of like coatings, like, you know, sort of um, uh, exoskeleton type of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there's also, I think plants are conscious and I don't know that they love that everyone's on a vegan diet. Like, I don't think they want to be eaten either. I think that, you know, if you listen to certain people who teach the carnivore diet, they're like, look, there's a battle between the plant and the animal kingdom Mm -hmm. and the plants are generating toxins inside and, 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 you know, all kinds of weird oxalates and things in a way that they weren't always Mm -hmm. because they're trying to fight, fight this up. I don't know if that's true. It resonates for me on some level, but I don't think that the, all the plants and vegetables and even some of the grains and things like that are the same. We know they're not the same that they were 50 or a hundred years ago, but I'm not sure they're they're even the same as they were 10 years ago. Foods that I used to eat, no problem 10 years ago. Like now I have a really hard time with. It could uh, also be the ramping up of chemtrailing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and the water, the water is not as clean as it was mm. 200 years Everything, ago. If there's metal More everywhere saturated. and the environment is electrified, yeah. they're just like we wear devices or have, things in our home or drink special th- things to sort of ward that off the way that they cope with those problems are a little bit different, yeah. but, but they're doing it nonetheless. And so I think some foods that I would be interesting if she were still around mm-hmm. to know if she evolved on this at all or not. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for people who there, I have like one other mentor that I want to mention and he came along a lot later, but I, I really learned, I've learned a lot from a lot of the people who are like into animal-based nutrition and carnivore diet. I've listened to a lot of them, but the person that I've probably learned the most from and and also rely and, and, and lean on and make my own tweaks to is a gentleman named Rob Stewart, who I've had on my show a couple of times. He's a skin health coach, basically, like, but he became very, very famous in the vegan influencer world and then moved to the carnivore diet because even though he had healed his skin with the vegan diet, he like basically lost the rest of his health. Mm -hmm. So had to basically come out and say like, you know, like I, I earned, I made a lot of money and became very successful doing this. And now I do something else and, and whatnot. And he's never afraid to change his mind or his opinion publicly. Mm -hmm. And he's constantly, constantly evolving, constantly cycling his diet um, and he's been, I've learned a lot from him. He's also been a good friend um, to me and we chat and whatnot. Um, and in terms of like helping, like having a 100% success rate at helping people clear their skin, like he's definitely the guy and the amount of correlation between gut health and skin health is 100%. Um, so I, I've learned a lot from him as well. He evolves his opinion a lot and it would be interesting to know if she would have evolved as well. Um, but I don't, I don't get to know. I have never done group coaching before. I tend to work with clients um, one-on-one, but I have been wanting for a while to experiment with group coaching. And since you have expressed to me that there are people in your realm and in your chat group that have expressed interest in this, if enough people from your realm and my realm are interested, I was thinking about running a a group, a group coaching um, period, um, uh, that would be a significant discount from my general thing that I do one-on-one with people. So I was thinking of running a, uh, a three month course where the first month it would be 
weekly meetings. And then after that, it would be every other week. Mm -hmm. So over the course of three months, you'd have eight meetings with me. And then I would also include one private session um, as part of that. Um, So I was thinking about doing something like that starting August 13th. um, And it would run to October 29th would be the last one. Um, And since it's the first time I'm doing it, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. (laughs) So the ideal number would be six people, but Uh I take as many as eight. And if there's at least four, I'll do it anyway. Um, And so if anyone is interested in that, then um, you guys can send me an email uh, at Emily C. Don't go to my website has all kinds of health services that Laura and I Mm -hmm. um, do. Those are all individual sessions. And certainly if anyone's interested in working with me individually, you can go to my own website, which is emilycmoyer.com, or to book sessions for our wellness clinic. It's internal-alchemy.com. Um, and I'll give you guys those links to include, and you can go there. And Fantastic. there's lots of individual sessions for both Laura and for myself. Just there's tons of them. Scroll all the way down. Laura's sessions are in person. Mine can be remote or in person if you happen to be to be local. So if you'd like to work with me individually, you can certainly do that. If you would like to be part of this group coaching experience, email me in all capital letters and uh, in the subject box, put, I don't know, melt pounds because this is the melt. And, and <laughs> I, I, love I know it. some people don't come to lose weight. Some people need to work on their yeah. digestion or their energy. Sure. But like everyone who does go on it does pretty lose weight unless they're underweight. People who are underweight sometimes gain weight, in mm. which case they want to not melt. They want to gain the pounds. <laughs> all capital letters so I don't miss it melt pounds and I'll send you some information we would be starting August 13th um and I like I have a price in mind I'm still sorting out the details but it would be about half the price of my normal coaching and then I'll have an additional discount for people who are patrons of yours or patrons of mine and if they happen to be patrons of both of ours it will be uh, a bigger discount. So membership has its privileges. Um, and so if people are interested in that, they can email. The other thing I also do, um, to give back to this information community that we are all part of, um, is on my Patreon page, there are some higher levels Mm -hmm. that include private sessions with me and the private sessions can be used for nutrition. Um, and so if someone is just getting started, there's like a, weekly half hour or weekly hour, depending on what they want that are at higher levels, $300 a month and $500 a month that includes all my content plus sessions with me. And then when people move into maintenance, they can drop back to like one time a month and still get all the content for $50 a month for 30 minutes and $100 a month for an hour, cool. which is a very significant discount off of what I charge clients sure. regularly through the website. So if you happen to like hearing me go on and on about nuclear DNA and and time travel and all of whatever, then feel free to, you know, uh, to, to, to work yourself over, uh, uh, like, you know, find what works for you on that. Um, so yeah. So if people are interested, email me, if there's enough interest, I'll start the, the group coaching on August 13th, melt pounds, or just reference in capital letters that, you know, you heard this episode on the melt Cool. and yeah. Anything else? That's it. I think that covers it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily. I so appreciate you. I find you, you're just such a fascinating person. And I just love 
being around you. I love your energy. And you have really, really changed my life. And I know I say that a lot to you. But and I get really emotional when I think about it, because you have given me freedom in a way that I've never had before. And I just thank you for everything that you do to help people. You, you are a wonderful, wonderful beacon of light. And I just love you so much. So thank you for being on the show. And we will put all of your links in the episode notes. And I really hope people reach out to you because you are a, a jewel. Hell yes. A that feels nice to hear. I enjoy spending time with you, even if we just have to come up with endless show ideas in order <laughs> to do it. Uh, Let's watch I, Seinfeld. I, we'll do the whole run. I appreciate you guys make me feel uh feel you make me feel you know seen and heard and and loved and and thank you for that and thank you to all the listeners i get nice comments from from your crew and whatnot so thank you guys yes our pleasure and if there's a text summing up all that you said that you want me to cut and paste and put in the episode notes let me know regarding the yeah the group thing that you were talking about okay i'll I'll send you everything to put in the description box so fantastic all right all right Give Thanks, okay, Laura our love and yes. tell her we said hello. You just walked in from school here, oh, Laura. Laura, welcome <laughs> home. <laughs> but we're all black. wearing black. I love oh. it. <laughs> all in black. Okay, guys. All right. Have a wonderful right. evening. Thank you, guys. Yes. Have a wonderful night. Yes, you much too. love. Hi. Hi. Fancy meeting you here. Come here often. Only when you're here. <laughs> I actually got emotional towards the end of our dialogue with Emily. I I just really appreciate. I've had such a tumultuous relationship with food my whole life that uh finding someone who as is a font of knowledge when it comes to nutrition and and just helping me navigate in an extremely non-judgmental way. Absolutely. So anyone who's interested in, you know, tackling psychic issues that you've had surrounding food and psychological issues, Emily is the person to do it. And she will give you advice and she won't judge you regardless of where you are in the, the process. So... I cannot recommend her enough. I second that emotion. Uh, very non-dogmatic and yeah. very intuitive. Um, yeah. I love the way that she handles the dynamic of all this because it could be extremely dogmatic and like <clears throat> setting these strict boundaries where if you go, if you venture outside of them, <clears throat> great time for my voice to do this, by the way. Uh, if you venture outside of them, you've sinned. And if you stay inside, you're a saint. And it's not that clear cut thing. Life isn't like that. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of play. And if you just can get over the initial, I don't know, maybe shock of having to eat these certain things for a little while, then it gradually expands. And it gradually expands organically in a way that is... Um, is central to you yourself. There's no, <clears throat> no diet. That's these fads and diets that come out that, you know, <clears throat> propose that you'll lose weight. And that's the same thing for everybody. It doesn't work that way. Everybody has a different ecosystem. So I'm going to get some water while you. Yeah. 
Everyone does have a, a different ecosystem. And I do think that there are uh, psyops attached to um, diet programs and that there are nefarious players in the, in the dietary world that are associated with pharmaceutical companies and associated with um, big medical. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of that over the course of my life. I've seen people that I love and care about get sucked up into these diets and try these things. And then, you know, they have compromised immunity. So then they have to go on pharmaceuticals and it, it becomes this vicious cycle and circle. Uh, and I, I think that these things have been going on you know, we can always go back to the Rockefellers and and their attack on natural medicine. And and I think that, you know, all of these tentacles of this octopus are working together to keep people um, trapped and enslaved. And this could be another system like that. But what's so beautiful about Emily is that she's giving you the autonomy and the personal ownership and responsibility over your health by giving you specific tools that you then uh, navigate and then you then try. And I think there's something very powerful about that. It's not this militant thing, as you were saying, like, you have to be like this and do this and, and only eat this. It's like, all right, well, let's peel the layers back and get you down to kind of baseline of eating these very basic foods and then add to that. And But you are with yourself every single day. So you are the person who is actually doing the experimenting. You you know what works and what doesn't work. And the, the big key here is being honest. It's being honest with yourself and what your body's feeling and not trying to, you know, find, um, uh, you know, ways to be slippery, you know, because I think that's easy to do. And unlike the medical industrial complex, uh, Emily is not trying to create lifelong customers. Basically, she is training you how to do this yourself. So yeah. after you've gone through this routine and the learn the dynamics and and what your relationship to all this is, because everybody is different, even Hunter and I have way different ways that we are navigating our different totally our dances that we're doing with our body. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can do it yourself, and so that's the learn part of the learning process as we're learning how to regulate this. And it it, it, it as she mentioned, it involves honesty with yourself. Um, because it's really super simple, I know from firsthand experience to justify just about any kind of bad habit, uh, particularly when it comes to food, particularly if you're a hardcore recovering sugar addict like I am. So yeah. it's, I've quit many things in my life and none of them were as hard. I think crack would be easier than sugar, uh, for myself, perhaps that's not the case for everybody, but so that's my main issue. Um, some, it will be weight, some, who knows, eating disorders, whatever, but this is, uh, like not a one size fit all, but a one dynamic fits all. And the way that you work with that, that dynamic is very personal and, um, centric to you and what your needs are. And I, I'm, I'm loving it so far. It took me a while to be able to truly say that, but I can say it now. That's true. 
Well, I I had a friend years ago who uh, I was saying something about sugar being harder to kick than heroin. And he was a former heroin addict. And he's like, how can you say that? You know, heroin, I needed heroin to live. And I was like, well, you actually need food to live. You were addicted to heroin, which made you feel like you need heroin to live. But you really don't like you don't really need alcohol to live you don't need crack or cocaine or meth or weed to live when you're addicted to those things you feel like that's your life force and your life energy but the reality is that nutrition is the the you know basis of our lives and I think that there's so many nutritionally depleted foods that people eat. And I see it all the time, especially at university, that people are eating, you know, bags of Cheetos or they're eating, you know, Oreos or drinking Mountain Dew or just drink just shit food. And none of it has any nutritional value. And then you see the energy plummet and the mood plummet. And I just want to say, well, you haven't eaten anything. You've put something inside your body, but you've eaten no no nutrition. So your body is probably going, well, I did the motion of eating, like I chewed and I put you put something in my gut, but the the value of that is so minimal that nothing really seems to have happened. So I think that that's one thing that I really uh, appreciate is that Everything that she is recommending as your baseline is nutritionally dense food. And so you'll notice the difference when you eat these things for a few weeks. It's like, wow, I I feel great. Like I can think, I can, I have energy. Like I just, it shifted so much in my uh, daily life and, and, and just kind of how I was navigating things. Yes, there was boredom, but it was more... Um, I think it was more of us just being able to commiserate. Like we were kind of like in the same, on on the same level as far as what we were being tasked to eat at that point. But we've gone beyond that point. We've been on this diet for four months now, five months. So I was thinking three or four. But. I've been on since February. Mm-hmm. And you, I think you came in like a month after yeah. I did. February, March, April, May, June, July. Yeah, five months. Wow. So Holy shit. Yeah. So I've been doing this for a while. And the mapping of your mood and your behavior and how you're feeling and and all of these other things it's interesting to observe that and see the shifts happen so I'm really really grateful for Emily and I'm so happy that she was here tonight and willing to talk to us about it because you know she does charge a premium for her services and she was very gracious uh, and open and willing to talk about what she does and, uh, you know, just give us some clues of how you can move forward uh, with her plan. And I really hope you guys take advantage of that because yes. you will be very happy that you did. It's it's totally worth it. My turn. So thanks. <laughs> God, I love that look. Like, dude, what are you even saying? No. Uh, so I would take advantage of what she's proposing with the group uh, sessions. Um, I think that would be great. 
There's nothing I think differently that we could have not gotten in a group session that we could yeah. have in an individual session. Yeah. So uh, I would take advantage of that. If you're a Patreon member, even better. If you're a Patreon member of both of us, even better. So make sure and get that email off as soon as you possibly can, just so she'll kind of know what number she's working with. And perhaps if it's a success or she gets enough people, then she'll do this again and we can make it a regular thing. Maybe yeah. we can even turn it into a, some sort of a Patreon uh, event or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, we both highly recommend her not only because of what we talked about tonight, but because she's an excellent person and yeah. uh, such a has a, such a mind bending power of yeah. being able to assimilate, uh, extract, collate and read uh, articulate, um, many, many different, um, uh, aspects of many different dimensions of our existence and has a way of connecting the dots and putting things together that just blows my mind. I, I likened her to Terrence McKenna when we first had her on the melt and she's just a really, a great puzzle worker. And it's, I could just listen to her babble for hours. I actually have listened yeah. to her babble for hours. I have too. I, I just love it. <laughs> yes. uh, I do want to say that, um, where did my thought go? It was right there on the tip of my tongue. Um, Emily, what were we talking about her? Um, geez, it was good. The group, too. group sessions. Group sessions. I hate when that happens and it's so rare that it happens where where something just slips away into the ether. You think on that and I'll start doing the closing things. Okay. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us for whatever reason, suggesting guests, recipes that we can actually eat with our, unless it's on a cheat day, <laughs> a meal, I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can reach us at the Melt podcast at protonmail.com or hunter-muse keep on thinking at protonmail.com did you come up with it yet no oh yes i did i got it uh yeah so you know a lot of our audience i think are like-minded people that they really you know question consensus reality Mm -hmm. uh, question the system if you want to fuck the system over you really want to fuck this system over then get healthy because that is the number one thing you can do is get off of meds get out of the medical industrial complex get your body into its most highest frequency form that you possibly can and the way to do that from my perspective, is your diet. It's what you're eating. That is what's informing all of these other things. So, Oh, my gosh. Keep, keep talking. It's still recording. That's the magic. The magic is how you're fueling your body and what you are doing to fuel your body. And many of the, the roads that um, a lot of the conversations that we uh, have on the melts lead back to if you want to change the world, you've got to change yourself. Yep. Um, and if you're walking around in a haze and a fog mm-hmm. and you're grumpy and you're moody and you're just swinging back and forth and you feel like you're at the mercy of something that you can't put a, put a 
put your finger on or pinpoint, there's a good chance that it's what you're putting into your body, just like the music that you put into your ears or the mm-hmm. TV shows or cinema that you put into your eyes. Yeah. Everything, all of it matters. So if your fuel is fucked up, then your machine is going to be fucked up. And your machine is your interface between your spirit and the 3D world. So it's good to have clear channels. It's good to be lucid. It's good to, um, you know, know where, uh, know where you stand, simply put. So, yeah, if you want to change the world, change yourself. If you want to change yourself, then diet is a good place to start. Yeah. Because it does inform your mindset and sure. and how much energy you have. Definitely. And it does, it's very empowering. And that's the thing that I think we can kind of, the golden clasp we can put on all of this is that what Emily is doing and the method she's using is about empowering you into your decision making process of what, how you eat and what you eat. So. Yes. That's what we're here to testify and Absolutely. give her that, that testimonial. She's got it. All right. We need to go before our kids have to go to bed yeah. and hang out with them for a few minutes. So. That's right. We, we love, love you, you all. And, we do. Uh, deeply. Yes. Truly. Hope you enjoyed it. And yeah. tons of great stuff coming. Stick around. Ta-ta. Yeah. To hear the full-length version of this episode, get access to exclusive and early episodes, and participate in our monthly Zoom meetups for as little as $3 per month, just click the Patreon link in the episode notes or visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast. Contributing financially will help to make this podcast my full-time gig that I can devote more time to and allow me to create more content. Other ways of contributing would be giving us a favorable review or rating wherever you get your podcasts, subscribing to us on YouTube, spreading the word wherever you and your tribe congregate, or just by sending us your positive thoughts and intentions. In a quantumly intertwined and holographic multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you.